I'm Jonathan Goldstein, and you're listening to Wiretap on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 159. Today's episode, The Nagging Task. Hello? Hey, Mom. Yeah, he forgot. He just, turn on the ringer. Okay, he's going to pick up. Hello? Hey, Dad. It didn't ring up here, Johnny. She turns the ringer off. I'm sorry. It's not your fault. You know, I was just in New York. Yeah. I was on my way to um, Coney Island, and the train goes over this huge Jewish cemetery, mm. and I had this memory of you saying that that's where your father was buried. No. No? No. It was where my, my mother's father is buried, my grandfather. Your grandfather is buried yeah. there? Yes. And um, how long ago... Did he die? Or 40, 1940. I was only maybe four or five years old when he passed away. Do you have any memories of him? Uh, gentle man, uh, balding. He always had a cigar. And when he used to come to the house, he used to let me take a couple of puffs on a cigar. <laughs> I used to sit in his lap, and he'd give me the cigar, and I'd take a few puffs. I loved it. You know, it was... You know, it was great. When you were four years old? Four or five, yeah. Just like one puff, like, you know what I mean? Was it was, it, was that uh, typical of a Depression-era childhood? Uh, no, I don't know. Kids walking around smoking cigars? And then he didn't want to do it anymore. He says, here, I have a banana. you got to eat the banana. I didn't want to do that. So I, saw, I didn't get a cigar anymore. <laughs> he tried to switch you to bananas. Yeah. So you're saying, because I, I guess my memory is wrong. You, you, my I, father is buried in Queens. What what is the name of the cemetery there? Do you know the name of the cemetery where my father's buried? No, I don't. Well, do you know where it is at least? Because I had this idea that maybe we could make a trip to New York together to to visit the grave and I don't know. I don't think I think it was somewhere off Queens Boulevard. When was the last time you went there? When he was buried. That was the only time that you had visited his grave? That was the only time. And you've not been back? No. Um even if you were able to find out the name, this is assuming that there aren't that many Jewish cemeteries in Queens, which we don't know. Oh, there are a lot. Oh, it's <laughs> the long, Queens and Long Island is, is a, almost a graveyard. Do, I mean, am I am I assuming too much? Would you have an interest in? in oh, I am. I should have done it. I always felt a guilt, Johnny. I really? never went back there. It's always nagged at me somewhere in the back of my mind. Well, okay, good. Well, we'll 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 set it right. Hopefully, that would be nice. Okay, good. I'm excited about that. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Okay, me too. Yeah. It'd be nice, me and you doing that and going there. After getting off the phone and turning to the Internet, I quickly discover that there are many Samuel Goldsteins buried in Queens. Dozens, in fact. I call my father back for more details so I can narrow it down. Do you remember when your father was born, I ask? 1906, he says. Or maybe 07. Possibly 08. But I definitely remember he was a Scorpio. And do you remember what year your father passed away, I ask? It was the year Elvis died, he says. That I know. We sign off and I call every Jewish cemetery in Queens. And after an hour, I find my grandfather in the Mount Hebron Cemetery in Flushing, Queens. Now, the plan is to drive down to New York with my father so he can say Kaddish, the prayer for the dead, over his father's grave. 
There's also a tradition where you make your presence known at the gravesite by leaving a small rock on the tombstone. That's something my father also wants to do. So we pack up the car and make the drive from Montreal. Oh, what? No, you're not. Here. Oh, you can go. No, 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 Here. through there. Oh, That's oh. west. That's oh, west. East. you got to go there. Okay, got it. Here we when go. we aren't arguing over directions, we talk. Because we lived in different countries and I was pretty young when he died, I never got to know my grandfather. So I asked my father about him. I loved my father. He had his, uh, he had his uh, childish side. Maybe that's what I liked about him, the child in him. You know, he'd get excited about it, loved pets, loved dogs, all kinds of animals. You, you told me that he one day he brought, he brought home a monkey. He brought home a monkey, he, a rhesus monkey. And he built, a, he built a wooden cage for it. And it was, it was wonderful, it was a wonderful period, but except that the monkey went wild and we let the monkey out of the cage. He started eating all our food and whatnot. You know, finally my father had to, had to give it away. And we also had a large snapping turtle, which almost took my finger off. We kept it in the bathtub. And this was all in like a relatively small apartment in Brooklyn? We were living on a walk-in in the Bronx. Yeah. Uh, he'd, go, he'd spank us a lot. You know, we'd get, get our lumps. He had a very violent temper. That was the bad side. But all in all, I did love him. I think he was very caring of me and worried about me a lot, you know, even when I was older. Because how do I remember? I went away to the National Guards. I told you that story, Johnny. I was on summer encampment, and uh, I was taking a shower, and I get a uh, notice that I got a phone call. So here I am, I'm, I'm with a towel wrapped around me and my sandals, and I rush over in the mud. I pick up the phone, who is it? My father. He was worried about me. He was worried about nobody else. So, you know, I felt he cared. He cared. He always did. So, um, you know, I'm glad I'm able to make this, maybe, you know, last time I'll be able to go, last opportunity I'll ever have. And, you know, I'm happy to be taking it. It's great. I feel good about it. I'm glad, Dad. Oh, there's the Van Wick Expressway. One and a half, one and a half miles. To my right, get over to my right. The great borough, I think it's Queens. Yeah, I'm getting, uh, I got a little uh, nervous, a little anxious. You know, I can't explain. It's like an otherworldly experience here, Johnny. Think about your own mortality. Makes you really think about it, but it's okay. That's good. Oh, here, here's a cemetery. So let's just stop here. Just stop here. There's no other car, so I yeah. guess you could just stop. We'll stop here. And we'll get out and go over there and look. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's supposed to be right on the edge of 20... It's in the corner of, of Block 25. Samuel Goldstein. No, it's not, but it's not the right one. I don't know, it's a Goldstein, but I don't know. There's probably so many Goldsteins here. Look, there's another Goldstein right there. A Goldie. Goldstein and Goldie. So this isn't the right Samuel Goldstein? No, but we, we're gonna find the right, we're gonna find, find the right one. But that Goldstein, yes, no. Why is 
it now say it says block 27? Oh, this is block 27. Well, hang on a sec. No, I, I, this isn't going to be so easy, I don't think. There's just so many tombstones. Dad, I found it. You found it? Yeah, this way. Not 1906 to 1977. Samuel R. Goldstein, husband, devoted father. Wow. Wow. My father unfolds the Hebrew Kaddish he'd printed off the internet and reads it. Yishkadal Yishkadal Shemei Rabbah. Amen. As he does, I can't help feeling like there's no escape. You think there might be, that you might be the one who slips by. But when you wake up in the middle of the night, your conscious mind still groggy and vulnerable to the truth, you feel that blinding light of knowing, true knowing, that you too are going to die. And with this thought, as silly as it might be, I can't help wondering who will visit my grave. Will anyone even remember where my grave is? When he's done reciting the Kaddish, my father, about to place a stone on the grave as per tradition, notices something. Look at this. There on top of his father's grave is a stone. Somebody was here. Someone was here. Yeah, you're Somebody right. You're right. Look at that. Who Someone do you think was that here. was? I don't know. But somebody was here. Even after all these years, somebody else was out there, remembering my grandfather, too. A childhood friend, an old admirer, maybe just somebody my grandfather never would have expected. I guess we can never predict who will remember us after we're gone. Before we leave, my father says a few last words. May you rest in peace, Dad. I loved you. And I'm glad I was able to make this pilgrimage with my son. It was wonderful because he motivated me to come here. Otherwise, to be quite honest with you, I've got to be above board. I probably wouldn't have come if he didn't get, put a fire under me and make me come. And now I'm so happy I'm here. We're here for just a tiny moment. And on opposite ends of this moment is a vast black ocean of mystery. But for now, even surrounded by thousands of graves, there's a life force you can feel. There's the sun, the grass, and the warm summer breeze. When we get back, we'll have a nice pizza and maybe a bottle of beer or something. And there is pizza. There is beer. And there are two men, a father and a son who are going to enjoy them okay, so let's find our way back. and enjoy each other's company as they argue over directions into the city. Let's go. I have to get myself straightened out here. Okay, now we have to look for the what? The 495 East, right? Sometimes helping someone tackle a task that's been weighing on them for years can be hard work, requiring research and travel and a lot of legwork. But then other times, you just find yourself in the right place at the right time, and being of assistance is just a matter of picking up the phone. Hello? Clara? No. Uh, is this Clara? 
My name is John. This is Jonathan Goldstein speaking. Is Clara there? No, there's no. Okay, maybe. Uh, I think you probably have the wrong phone number. This is definitely the phone number. I'm, I called her for ten years in a row, every single day. Then, then it's been changed because there's definitely no Clara here. I'm by myself in a studio. Is this seven two one three six nine? Yes. But there's no, I'm, I'm sorry, when was the last time you spoke with this person? Oh, I guess it was 12 years ago. I guess it, the number's been changed then. Oh, man. Well, I mean, like, I've tried so many different ways of getting in touch with her. She's not on Facebook. I don't have an email for her. I, you know, I'm sorry I can't help you. I'm sort of desperate to talk to her. Well, uh, good luck with that, and I'll, you know, right, just so here's let you... the deal, okay? Clara and I were mm-hmm. best friends for a really long time. Right. Um, and I had this boyfriend, Andy, and Andy had these funny eyes. He had, um, like, when he was born, they sort of <clears throat> squeezed too hard with the with the clamps, and it's like his eyes are at half-mast. It's like he always looks half-asleep or really, really stoned. And so, um, you know, at one point... Totally out of nowhere, Clara says to me that Andy would never get a job because of his eyes. And we had just graduated from college, so we were, you know, desperately looking for work. And to me, it felt just like kind of a nasty comment to make. Mm-hmm. So, and, and and she was just sharing this with you uh, unsolicited? I mean, you... Totally unsolicited. Like, I wasn't even like, I'm worried about work. Like, we hadn't been getting along that well since I moved back to New York. Mm-hmm. Like, she was someone who was always late. Like, like not just, like, 15 minutes. I totally get that. I even get 20 minutes. Or if I'm at my house, an hour. But, like, she was always, like, over an hour late when we were meeting on the street. Yeah. Anyways, that kind of, that stuff all add, was adding up. And then she she said this thing about Andy and his eyes. And I was like, you know, I don't need to be friends with this person. This is insane. But I don't know. Now I'm at the point where many years have passed, and I just feel like it was a dumb thing to say, but is that a reason to end a friendship, you know? And so, you know, it's been this thing. I keep putting it on my to-do list, and I'm like, I got to give her a call. And um, once the phone started ringing, I felt like this tightness in my chest sort of lifted and I just felt like it was out of my hair. I wouldn't have to think about it anymore, you know? I'm really sorry that, uh, I guess I'm sorry I'm not her. Well, hey, here's an idea. Um, Yeah. What if you were to, like, on behalf of Clara, um, absolve me of this, this whole situation? And and you could just forgive me. On, on behalf of someone I don't know. Right, you who you have the same phone number. That doesn't make any. I mean, I'm not. I'm not Clara. I mean, I. I mean, I know you're not, but this is her number. So this is as close to Clara as I am getting. You know. Yeah, but I mean. People do that kind of thing all the time. Like, remember the Pope was like, we're sorry about the Holocaust, and but he wasn't the Pope who was around during the Holocaust. Yeah, but, I, but I'm but i not, I mean, I'm not the Pope. 
I mean, in this particular situation, you are the pope. You are the pope of this phone number. I'm the pope of this phone number. You know, it carries with it certain responsibilities, and you know, people die and they move, and all sorts of things happen, but phone numbers remain. What do you want? For, what do you want from me? I was thinking, like, it would be cool if you could say, "I, Clara Flockstone." I can't believe I'm doing this, but okay. I, Clara Flockstone. Forgive you, Shana Feinberg. Forgive you, Shana Feinberg. For um, such an abrupt ending to a decades-long friendship. For such an abrupt end to a decades-long friendship. And now let us... You should say that. And now Uh, let us... And now let us... Both move forward with our lives. Move forward with our lives. And then maybe we could both say at the same time like something like, Peace be with you. And then we could just hang up at the same time. And then that's it. Yeah, that would be it. I wouldn't have to call again. And you wouldn't have to call me again. We're totally done. And you but think... we we'll both feel good about our friendship. Our friendship. And, and you think that'll make you feel better? <sighs> I do. All right, fine. Let's do it. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Three, two, one. Peace Peace be be with you. you. Tackling a nagging task on your to-do list can bring you great peace of mind. In fact, often, the longer it's been on there, the more satisfying it is when you actually get to tick it off. But sometimes, when you wait too long, a nagging task can get out of control. Hello, Chaclets and Sons Crematorium and Burial Service. What? John. What are you talking about now? (laughs) Howard, do you know what I just received in the mail? Sea monkeys? It was a letter from the Montreal Library. Do you know why? It seems that I took out a book nine years ago that was never returned. You know, when you take a book out from the library, uh-huh. you have a choice. Either return it yeah. or you steal it outright. Those, that's, those are your choices. You, you, you steal library books. I don't personally deal with libraries. I find librarians are very mean to me. They How don't have like, they been? I, look, anyway, I, I can't really talk right now. i got a fire burning. What fire? Is this still about the crematorium? I, 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 got, I, I don't like the sound of this. I'm always, look, this is my house. Okay, that makes it my fire. Uh-huh. This is in the Second Amendment. That you have a right to, to tell burn me. a fire in your house. The, yes, the right to bear fire. I'll be brief. I have a letter here telling me that I owe the city of Montreal seven hundred and fourteen dollars. Mm, for a library book. That's bad times for you. Or a prison term. If I were you, I'd go for the prison term. Oh, would you? Yeah, I can see you blossoming in there. In prison. Toughen you up a little bit. Working on the weights. Teach you some life lessons. That what would, would it teach me? Respect. How to make toilet wine, mm-hmm. but I gotta say with, with that with that sarcastic mouth of yours, I, I don't I don't give you a week. Howard, the point is, you were supposed to return that book nine years ago. I was supposed to return that you, book. You, did I, did I not mention I have a fire burning? You where, don't remember, do you? Why was Why am I the one that's supposed to return that library book? It's I your book. asked you to return it for me as a favor. I have no recollection of that whatsoever. No, you don't, eh? No, uh-huh. I don't. And I th- I think you're mistaken. I knew you were gonna do this, which is why I want to play you something. Mm, I don't like this. I have an audio cassette from nine years ago when I asked you to return it for me. 
What are you, like Richard Nixon? You're recording everything that we say. I was in the middle of an interview, and you kept on interrupting me with call waiting. That doesn't sound like my style. Okay, you want to hear this? No, I don't, actually. But you're going to play it to me anyway. Yeah, I am going to play it for you. Okay, hang on a second. I'm going to put this in the machine. Okay. Prince Frederick, thank you so much for granting me this exclusive interview. It really is an honor. Oh, it's hang on a second. Let me fast forward that. So the queen invites me into a, a fitting chambers, sits me down, and this thing that nobody knows about the queen. And I haven't told anyone this in my life. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's one of the most profoundly emotional moments of my life mm-hmm. because it was at that exact moment that she reveals to me. Prince Frederick, I'm so sorry. I, I can't imagine who might be calling me in the studio right now. Again? If, if you could just hold the line a moment, I'll get rid of them. How, how many calls are you going to receive? How many times are you going to be interrupted? Hello? John, can you hear me? Yes, Howard, what do you want? Hello? Howard, Hello, guys, I, Howard. Yes, I'm, Howard, what is it? Can you hear me? Howard, please, just, I'm in the middle of an interview. What? What do you want? Hang on. I'm going to the music. Drum? What? What? Where do you keep your toilet plunger? Oh, it's Howard, by the way. I'm in your apartment right now. Where, where do you think it is, Howard? It's beside the toilet. Why do you need my toilet plunger? I don't need a toilet plunger. Jasmine needs a toilet plunger. Why does your dog need my toilet plunger right now? What are you doing in my house? Where do you keep the spare toilet plunger? I don't have a... Who keeps a spare toilet plunger? Most houses have a redundant toilet plunger, or three or four even. In my house, when I grew up, everybody had their own toilet plunger. God forbid I use my father's toilet plunger. Okay, Howard, listen to me. Get out of my house. You told me to come here. I told you to go there, Howard, just to get a, that library book I asked you to return. I got the book. All right, so get out, please. Man, I'm always cleaning up after you. You got a book? Who's got to return it? Howard Chackles has to return your book. Always on my okay, shoulders. Okay, all right. What is this book Thank here, anyway? You. Yes. It, do, it doesn't make a difference. Just leave it in the bag. When too much is never enough. Creating healthy boundaries within unhealthy friendships. Hey, <laughs> John. Winning and learning can't solve all your problems with book learning. Uh-huh. You're not going to okay. learn from a book how to be a man. Could you just return the book, please? I really have to go. I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. That's that's how you were on it? Is that me? Who do you think it was? That really didn't sound like me. It's so strange when you hear your own voice recorded. Okay, Howard. One second. Yes. Yes. So you remember. Yes. Because I remember that I, I started to thumb through it, and I actually found it quite interesting. Uh-huh. Because I also had, at the time, a needy friend. Oh, did you? Who was constantly asking me to do favors and to return things and to watch oh, things. and I see. I put a post-it note on the cover of the book saying, please hold on to this. I want to read it. Hang on. Yeah, I'm in your place right now. Hang what, on. What are you I, doing in my place? I, I, I remember exactly You just said you were b- making a fire in your place. There. There it is, nine years where? later. Where? Where is it? Right where I left it. Where did nine you years leave ago. it? Where did it's you... under your toilet plunger, right there behind your toilet in your bathroom. Why would you leave it behind my toilet? I wanted you to see it. How would I find it there, Howard? Because you, don't you clean your bathroom? You should go to jail for a lack of hygiene. 
Who leaves a book behind a toilet? Well, I left a book there behind Just so you... don't touch it. Don't touch like anything. Tone, mister. What do you mean you don't like my... I don't like this tone you're taking. You're at fault here and you're blaming How me. How am I at fault? You know what I'm doing right now? I'm dangling that book right over this toilet. Don't you... Doing the best things I can possibly do for you is the flushest book Howard, the toilet, you you're right the slammer. Howard, don't you dare. Howard. Oh, they're going to love you there, huh? Howard. Broken glasses with scotch tape all around and pushing that little book cart Howard, down. don't touch that Maybe book. Maybe let's play banjo. Leave that Ooh, alone. that's going to be the best thing that ever happened to you, mister. There, I'll do there's a favor I can Howard, do get out of my Something saying, uh, 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 well, don't you know that's the sound of the men working on the chain? Gang, that's the sound of the men working on the chain. Gang, all day long they're saying, uh, on Wiretap today, you uh, heard Buzz and Dina Goldstein, uh, Shayna Feinberg, Howard Chakowitz. Uh, and Joe Rogers. Wiretap is produced by Mira Bertwintonic, Crystal Duhame, and me, Jonathan Goldstein. Tune into Wiretap Saturdays at 3.30 and Thursday evenings at 11.30. You can also hear Wiretap across North America on Sirius Satellite Radio 159. Or you can subscribe to the free podcast at cbc.ca slash wiretap, where you can also download the latest Wiretap ringtone. You are the Pope of this phone number. A daily affirmation with every ring of your phone. And while you're at our website, be sure to enter Wiretap's Animation Tournament of Champions. There's a pretty exciting tablet-shaped prize up for grabs, so visit cbc.ca slash wiretap for more details. And a special note to Montreal listeners. I will be launching my brand new book, I'll Seize the Day Tomorrow at the Sala Rosa this coming Tuesday. There will be a reading, a slideshow, and a few surprise guests from the show. So come on down and say hi. That's Tuesday, October 9th, 7 p.m. at 4848 Saint Laurent. And admission is free. Whom I love so dear, but meanwhile, I've got to work right here. That's the sound of the men working on the chain. That's the sound of the men working on the chain. Gang, all day long they're saying, hmm. My, 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 my work is so hard, give me one.